Welcome to the Women in Industry podcast. The following podcast was subject to technical difficulties when recording. We regret that portions of the audio may be difficult to understand or hear. We appreciate our devoted listeners and their understanding. Enjoy the show! Welcome to WIN, the Women in Industry podcast, a production of the Communications Group. Hello, and welcome to our Women in Industry podcast brought to you by the Communications Group. I'm your host, Lisa Van Hook, Communications Group Partner and Director of Client Services, and I'm here with my co-host today, co-host extraordinaire Carson Horn, our Com Group PR Director, also known as the Agonator. Our guest today is Jenna Martin, co-partner at Martin Farms in the lovely um, and beautiful Hickory Ridge, Arkansas. Thank you for joining us today. We are inspired by you, Jenna Martin, and we're inspired by all of you women of the world making a difference, wearing your cape, being superheroes, working your plan. This week, our Women in Industry inspiration is Jenna Martin. Welcome to the podcast, Jenna. Hey, thank you for having me. So happy to be here. I think um, one of the things that we should start out by saying is that Jenna is joining us um, right in the middle of harvest. So we appreciate, uh, really appreciate the time that she's devoting to us today, given to us. Um, So we're just going to dive right in and ask you, Jenna, okay, first of all, how did you get a pass from harvest? And secondly, tell us a little bit more about you, your elevator speech, if you will. No problem. Well, actually, I was able to get off this morning because this should be our last day in soybean harvest, finally. We've been waiting on the finish line for a while, just like everybody does at harvest. So we're finally able to wrap up things today, and usually in the mornings it's a little bit calmer because there's usually a big dew on, and we have to wait till that dries off before we can start starting to harvest, so the moisture won't be so high. And uh, my name is Jenna Martin, and I'm pretty pretty simple person. I grew up in the country, up on a farm. I love doing anything outdoors. And my family and I, we farm around 2,400 acres altogether in three different counties in Cross, Woodruff, and Jackson County. And I had around 700 acres this year consisting of corn, rice, and soybeans. And that's what's been happening so far with, with our operation. It's been a little bit different now since I've been out of college. I graduated from Arkansas State University with an ag business degree and a minor in communications back in 2019. And ever since then, I've been on the farm, but I've always enjoyed also kind of wondering what I could do with that communications minor. And so I was able to intern while I was at college. I interned with Farm Credit Mid-South and met a lot of really nice people and got to see a different side of agriculture that I wasn't really used to. You know, the bookkeeping is really still new to me. And then I also interned with Pioneer Seed. And that was a really good opportunity because I love being outdoors. I love meeting people and being around the farms and getting to see what their operation does and maybe taking away some things from them that we could do different on our farm. That's awesome. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about your your sort of your personal uh, background. Help us get to know Jenna Martin, like hobbies. Uh, You told us where you went to school. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of your hobbies now? And if you don't, there's one little thing I I learned about you over the weekend. And if you don't share it with us, I'm going to. I'm going to share it and have you talk to us about it, which I'm sure. actually, it's probably got you a little bit scared because you don't know what I'm going to, what I'm yeah. going to ask you, <laughs> but yeah, tell us a little bit about like, what do you do for fun? What do you do in your off time? Do you have any off time? 
I do. I actually do. And what I normally like to do is I used to jog a lot. I don't do that as much, but I enjoy doing that, being outdoors and taking the dogs for a run or anything that's outdoors as far as like hunting or um, just being out in nature. I love photography. I love taking photos and it could be around the farm or anything. So I'm always got, usually I always have my camera with me, whether it's on the grain cart, whether it's out in the field when we're working up ground. I normally have it pretty close by. And as far as like my far background, I was adopted when I was 16 months old from Orenburg, Russia, and some people don't know that about me, and so that's like one of my, that would be one of my life goals, I guess you would say, is to finally go back there one day, just to see the culture, and just to know, you know, where I was from, and just have an appreciation for it, and as far as what else I like to do outside of the farm, I do have friends I go out with, and do different things, I'm recently a new homeowner, so that's been a new experience for me this year, so I've been, you know, sometimes my off time, I've been fixing things around the house, or trying to figure out how all this works, I have no trees in my yard right now, so I've been trying to figure out something to do this fall, as far as the landscaping, so there's always something to do, something to work on. Okay, that's fantastic, congratulations on your new home, and uh, call Carson if you need to know about contractors, or if you have, uh, you need any, um, you need any advice about how, what not to do. Yeah, yeah, Jenna, I, I was about to break in and congratulate you on becoming a new homeowner, but I can't, after the year I've had, I can't honestly in good conscience kill, tell you that because it's nothing to congratulate anybody about <laughs> with all the problems that you inherit sometimes. No, I am the last person you want to ask about contractors because it's it's a whole story. <laughs> it's a whole story. It's a, it's a lot of stories, actually. That yeah. in and of itself would make a great podcast. But, okay, so talk to us about your... Um, I know you have a really close connection to your family. Tell us about your family, and I highly recommend including pets. Right. Well, I've always had pets growing up around the farm. I think I've I've had, we've had cats and dogs. We've always had cats, at least four or five, it seems like. And right now we've got around four cats and three dogs at the farm. And I remember growing up, I, I had a pet mouse. I had him for like three and a half years. His name was Templeton. So I had Templeton for three and a half years. He was a field mouse. And I also had baby guards. I mean, we live out in the country, and we can pretty much make anything as a pet, it seems like. But no, my family, um, they adopted me. I think they were about 10 years. They had been married, and they adopted me. And then ever since then, I've been raised out on the farm, growing up around everything in agriculture. And it just gave me a really good um, appreciation for hard work and, and seeing what they did and what they built. You know, my parents both came from farm backgrounds. And, you know, even their grandparents' farms. So it's always been, it's just kind of like in the bloodline, it seems like. And... They taught me a lot. They taught me a lot of good work ethic and responsibility and management and being able to work with them and, you know, seeing what dad does. And he's done it for so many years, you know, it's kind of intimidating sometimes because you see all that he's done and what he's built up to. And so I'm, I'm a lot younger. And so I'm, I'm always expecting like I can just do what he does at this age. And I know there's some things I can't, but he's able to help me and to guide me, you know, whether that's learning how to do new pieces of equipment each year, how to run them or explain things to me and so it's it's been a really good thing to be able to have someone you know growing up in a farm like that and a lot of people don't have the opportunity that I've been given as far as with the farm you know a lot of people like if you want to get into farming today it's, it seems like it's almost impossible with you know all the assets and the capital and everything you'd have to have land so it seemed like it just really fell into place really great for me it's, it's been a real blessing look at you talking like an ag businesswoman with the <laughs> agribusiness degree that's pretty impressive okay so a lot of the women in industry that we interview on this podcast will credit 
someone in their career journey that had a huge impact on their career. And for some women, it's not a person. For some women, it's an event. Um, is there someone or something that helped you get to where you are today that you'd like to you'd like to give a shout out to? Uh, first and foremost that I can think of in my head would be my dad. I mean, and my mom. I mean, they've both been supporters and encouragers of what I've done. I mean, even dad. Like, they told me, even going into college, they said, do what you want to do, you know, if you want to farm or not. And they still tell me that to this day, you know, we'll support you, back you, whatever you want to do. But just make sure it's something you you love. Like, don't just do it because of us or anything. Do it because you love it. So that's why it's it's good to know that even though you are a female, you know, you can still. I've never had anyone say anything rude to me. I guess that's, that's been something really nice. Is I've had people come up to me and ask, oh, you know, since you're a woman in agriculture and farming, which is more of a man's role, do you ever have people being negative or saying, oh, you, I don't think you can do that. And I've never had anyone say that, believe it or not. You know, everyone around our community, it's just a small town, so a lot of people already know each other or their, or their kin, but a lot of them have been very supportive. Like, oh, yeah, you can do that completely, 100%. So it's just been a big network of just people that I've grown up with in the community that's, you know, seen me um, grow up in farming and seen me out there working. It's been a lot of friends and, and been the family and mom and dad. And it's been, you know, people even like in your more um, college career, people at college, you know, supporting that and professors, you know, when I was at the College of Agriculture at ASU, it was people like those that they supported whatever you did and, and wanted you to have opportunities to either, you know, stay in the agriculture industry or meet others that could help you along the way, no matter where it is. Okay, you want to give a shout out to your mom and dad? Do you want to, do you want to oh, tell yeah, us their sure. names? Yeah. Thank you, mom and dad, for everything you've done for me. You continue to do so much for me. And I, I know I may not say it all the time, but I just want to say I appreciate you and for helping me with the farm and everything. And, I, and I'm really happy that we're able to do this all together. All right. So your dad is Dennis Martin. I don't know your mom's name. Yes, Jennifer. So Dennis and Jennifer Martin at Hickory Ridge. There's your shout out. Um, for the day. <laughs> so let's talk about what a typical day um, on the farm or for or just a typical day for you. Maybe not on the farm, maybe while you're, you're earlier talking about doing budget. Oh. So what does a typical day look like for you? So it normally changes with seasons, obviously. So like right now, you know, we're kind of usually we're out fairly I wouldn't say like very early, but you know, when the sun comes up about seven or seven thirty, we're usually out at the shop and we kind of just kind of know what we're going to go through for the day and and so we'll get things ready, whether it be, you know, filling up all the tractors, like for the grain cart and, and the combine. And then dad normally blows off the combine. And it's just kind of more um, getting ready to, you know, going into it prepared, going into harvest day prepared. And normally we'll work till about 730 or 8. depends on the weather. Everything's weather dependent is what's so hard about this industry, the markets and the weather. And so normally we'll work. We won't work really late. Some people work way up into the night. But normally it's a pretty long day, but you still enjoy it. And I even know that even when I get off the grain cart, it seems weird. But like when harvest is over, you just kind of, you're like, oh, you, you feel a little bit lost. You're like, oh, I wish I could grain cart some more in the bean field or anything like that. So that's normally how it goes at harvest. We've done a lot of different switching around this season because usually rice and corn come off around the same time. So um, we cut rice for a little bit and it went to corn and went to rice and the rice got too green, went to soybeans, back to rice and then to beans. So, but we finally made it. We're almost at the end. And normally it's a little bit different, like during the winter season, normally have a little bit of a break. It's, it seems it's a break, but you still have a lot of paperwork and things to get ready to go for the next year and stopping by the FSA office and, and doing everything you got to get prepared for for the next year. And we'll usually go back to work in the shop probably late January. We'll go back to getting everything ready and getting everything prepared, looking over all the equipment, all the tractors, changing oil, 
and making sure everything's ready to go when you get that small window of opportunity to go and, and start planning in the spring. And normally when you get planning, that's a whole, you know, it could be 14, 15 hour days during the planning season. Of course, you got to work around the weather, so it never goes as smooth as we wish sometimes, but it is what it is. And then in the summer, it's usually, depending on the rain and the weather, it's usually a lot of watering, which is different from some people that I know I have friends in other states, and, and that's a totally different thing here in Arkansas is we're so dependent on irrigation. And so it's constantly watering corn, rice, and beans, depending on how dry it gets in the summer. So it's funny that either a rain can like, you know, it could be a million dollar rain or it could be a rain at the wrong time when you don't need it, whether it's at harvest or in the spring. So that's, that's normally how the days go in different seasons. Okay, it's time for a quick break. Stay tuned as we hear more from the lovely Jenna Martin, co-partner at Martin Farms in Hickory Ridge, Arkansas. We'll be right back. Everybody knows to keep a car running smoothly and efficiently, it's important to do regular maintenance. Nowadays, when you notice your car having issues, you can take it to a professional and have them run a diagnostics test. This test shows your mechanic exactly where the car needs improvement. Did you know the same can be done with your social media marketing? Com Group's proprietary social media audit will help you gain insight into your company's social media marketing performance based on a review of your social channels against benchmarks for best practices, analytic tools, competitor performance, current trends, and algorithmic formulas. To start a social media audit for your business, contact us at info at comgroup.com. We're back with Jenna Martin, uh, co-partner of Martin Farms, Hickory Ridge, Arkansas, and we're going we're gonna to start with what is one of my favorite parts of the podcast, and we just call this a rapid fire. Uh, it's just for fun. There are no right or wrong answers. We're going to fire a few questions at you. Some of them are going to be weird. Some might be not so weird. Um, and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. We are um, recording this podcasting session right after Halloween. So my first question is going to be about Halloween. What's your favorite uh, costume that you ever had for Halloween? Favorite costume I ever had? I'm trying to think. I know when I was little, I was a bee. I think I like the Cleopatra one the most. Oh, that's a good one. Little. But it was yeah. kind of, I didn't like it because when I was little, you know, I had to wear thermals underneath my, and you know, Cleopatra doesn't do that, but so I was upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was Cleopatra, just with long sleeves underneath my outfit. <laughs> oh, you wanted it to be very authentic. Okay, that's fantastic. Okay, vacation beach or the mountains? Ooh, I do like the beach. We normally try to go to the beach about every January or ever so often. I like cruises, too. We like doing cruises, but... Oh, that's good. Okay, we're going to count that as beach. Yeah, we're going to count that as beach. We're going to count that as ocean. That's what I should say in the future. Ocean or mountain. Okay, would you fly or road trip? Mm, depends on what the road trip is. Probably fly. Okay. So, last good watch or good thing you binge on on um, Netflix or Hulu? Or whatever it is you I watch YouTube, and I'm good about, I listen to a lot of, like, murder mysteries. Ooh, good. True crime. Yes, yes. That's a, that's a good one. What's your favorite app on your phone? Uh, probably social media sites, Facebook and Twitter. And I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Dog or cat person? Cat. Do you know that? 
who's had a field mouse as a pet. Yeah. Janet, thank you so much for being on with us. You have already talked a lot about the soybean industry and the agriculture industry and stuff in general. So not to belabor that point, but talk just a little bit before we kind of move on to some other subjects about, you know, this past year. A, a lot of folks, um, we actually had some some widespread flooding across the state that impacted a lot of folks. But you, I don't, I don't think from what I understand, you're not as affected by that this year. You're, you actually had a bit of a dry season, right? Yes, we did. Now spring was still a little wet for us off and on. It did put things kind of late, especially for the bean planting. I know there's a lot of late soybeans this year, but we were, we were able to get all the crop in that we needed to. We only had about hundred acres that we could not plant out of, out of our about 2,400 acres. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that I've been hearing, you know, people are already thinking about, you know, planting season for next year and stuff. And we, I, I've been hearing some, some differing things. I know one thing that I've heard, though, is that um, some prices out there as it relates to fertilizer and other things is that that could impact the corn crop, you know, how people are thinking about mm-hmm. that. And then that may actually influence farmers to maybe plant more soybeans this year. Is that kind of yes. what you're understanding? That's exactly what I've been hearing, understanding, and contemplating as as you know when you look at the bottom line at the end of the year you just kind of have to look and go well you know fertilize the way it is right now and we're not even into next year you know next spring already with the way urea prices have been it's it's very scary because you already it seems like on corn and rice you're already going to be going in the hole and so you have to kind of make a decision and move acres around and so i think that that's true what you said there's going to be a lot more soybean acres planted from what i see Rice and corn as well is going to be down is what I would think. The way everything's going, everyone's trying to do what they can. And even with the the chemical side, you know, there's chemicals just like Roundup. It's hard to get if you can get it at all. And when you can get it, the price is so unreal. It's been a big challenge and a lot of people have been talking about it and already trying to make decisions for next year based off of those. I I find that so interesting about the industry that you're in is that, you know, farmers, a lot of people I think, they just do the same thing over and over again every year, and they've been doing it that way for decades. But really, you guys pay so much attention to the markets and the fluctuations in prices and all that, and there's really a strategy behind everything that you guys do. And so um, you, you've got to figure all of that out, and I think that that's something that unless you're born into the industry, you don't have those those kind of coaches out there to teach you these things to think about. And so you've got your, your parents there that have been in the business uh, for generations and stuff. So, I mean, you, you kind of have to learn all of that and pick it up, you know, as you grow up with the industry. Right. We actually do learn from each other. You know, there's things that dad teaches me a lot of and then the things that I might show to him or tell him about. So we both kind of like watch out for each other and kind of help each other out on that. Because like I had said earlier, my dad has always told me, you know, as he said, I don't know, we don't, we don't go to the casinos. We don't gamble because when you're in the farming industry, that's what it feels like you do, you know, every year. <laughs> 
And even like one of my grandpa, when he used to farm, I think the first farm loan he received was him going to the bank and getting, you know, three blank checks and the banker saying, okay, make your best decision throughout the year. And now that's shifted so much into every, you know, per acre budget now that you have to turn in, you know, for doing your, your farm loan and trying to get everything so, you know, because the margins are getting so squeezed anymore. And it's, it's just so much more involved. And like all winter, you have different paperwork you have to work on and things you have to think about and really, you know, look and really put it on paper every mm-hmm. year. That's so true. I, I know that you are well known in the state as a young and beginning farmer and stuff, breaking back into the industry. You kind of, you went off to college, I know, and, you know, explored some other areas of the industry. But um, just to kind of summarize, you you realized that you liked being outdoors and hands-on more than in the office at, you know, kind of desk work type stuff. So I think that's true for a lot of young farmers out there, but you kind of mentioned this earlier, it's so difficult to break into this industry if you're not already a part of it. I know you're, you're involved in that community a little bit, uh, especially through like Farm Bureau and things like that. What are some other challenges that young and beginning farmers have to deal with these days? The biggest thing is land. You know, people talk about, well, I don't even have land to farm if I could farm. And then what about equipment? You know, how do I get started? It's, it's so much and everything's getting to be so costly. Well, especially now, I mean, the way that even used equipment, it's very high anymore with what's going on with the pandemic too. So right now, like I said, I was very fortunate. I, I still am very blessed and able to be able to be a part of this that dad's already built up and him and his family and throughout the years and to be able to just kind of merge into it. Whereas other people, if they want to do it, they just feel like it's a big roadblock. So that's been the biggest, been like the biggest thing. Cause I've even had other people come to me and ask, well, how did you, you know, what would you suggest? And it, it's, it's a hard thing to answer because it's like, well, if you're not really born into it, it's, I'm not saying it's impossible. It can be done. It's just very challenging mm-hmm. those first few years getting started. Yeah. And, and you bring up another good topic. You know, we, we actually have not had any conversations with folks for um, a while now to, to really ask, you know, how has COVID and the pandemic, how has it, how has it affected things in the farming industry from your perspective over the last several months? I know we're kind of coming on the back end of that. Things are opening up a little mm-hmm. bit, but still there's been challenges. It's been scary. Even last spring, I remember everyone was scared to death that we couldn't get the seed we wanted. We couldn't get the chemical we needed, you know. So people were, you know, really, and it could be happening this year too. People is really buying up what they can and hoarding it if they can, which I know this year you can't even pre-book your rea, to my knowledge. You know, the prices are so variable and off the chart. And it's just one of those things that, you know, you've already got the markets and the weather that you're already up and down. You'd have no idea how to predict. And then yet you've got this going on now. So it's just really stressful. And it's just, I guess it's hard to know when, who, you know, if this is going to be a year that's going to make or break people coming off of this. And it's just, it's, it's scary. I mean, it's nervous. A lot of people tell you that, but it's, it's been a little bit more of a challenge. We were fortunate enough to get what we needed for our farm. We had some issues maybe this spring getting some of the beans we may have wanted, just depending on where those got shifted to or who ended up having priority on those first. But we were fortunate enough this year. We hope we are next year. That's why I already told Dad this morning we were talking, and I said we're going to have to just sit down and figure out what do we need for next year and go ahead and call and get things ready to go and and get soybeans booked for next year because I know that those are going to be a very limited supply, I feel like, since acres are going to be shifting due to fertilizer prices. Right. And in fact, you know, not only 
um, have those supply chain issues been affected by COVID? You know, I know with the, the recent hurricanes this year and everything that backed up, you know, the barge traffic uh, down down at the Delta and everything like that. So, I mean, that just kind of really makes things complex and, and, and backs things up even worse for you guys. So, um, well, you know, one one thing backing up here just a little bit, you know, you talked about a little bit of your journey coming back to the farm and one thing I think is interesting on your on your profile that um, is up on the Com Group website right now in our Women in Industry section, you you talk about keeping that way of life, the rural ag way of life, alive. Um, talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit and what that means to you. Well, as many people know, and you and a lot of people, people are very disconnected from farm and rural America, and it's kind of odd to me it's it's maybe a little sad too but when everything happened as far as with covid you know a lot of the schools they needed to do things from home and so that's it seems like that's the first time that broadband in rural america really got big time recognized to me and i thought you know we're important too i mean we do a lot and it seems like you're always getting someone calling out for something that you're doing wrong People don't see what farmers do. They don't see what ranchers do. You know, the industries, they don't understand it. They might see like, oh, commodity prices are up. Well, do you realize all the input costs are up? I mean, they don't see the other side that we get to see. And that's something that even I've wondered, too, is like when I'm watching commercials and things, I'm thinking, could something, you know, if I see something about maybe a commercial on butter or maybe a certain food, I'm thinking I would love to see you know, a quick summary of just images of like how that got produced at the farm and then the process it went through to get to the table. Because a lot of people that might spark an interest in them for them to either research or, or maybe contact someone or, you know, visit a farmer, get to actually talk to them. And if you want to know how it actually is grown and how it's produced, talk to them. Don't just be reading things that could be misinformation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what exactly was it about the farm that drew you back? You know, I know your family's obviously been involved in it and your dad and your mom gave you the advice of, you know, do things that you love in life, um, whether that's mm-hmm. farming or another career path. What what ultimately drew you back to the farm? Well, I was talking to dad about this, I think it was last week, and I was telling him, you know, dad, I remember these fields have been here since I was little. I remember growing up on these fields, you know, you, you work with the land so close and I guess people that are that are in, in that position, they understand it for sure, but it's just part of you. You you just know, you know, every year about when you're going to water and then like your crop in the soil and when you're working the ground, it's something about it. Just, it's just a part of you. So just thinking about leaving it or being away from it, it just feels like that's a detachment from part of who you are. And anyone that's grown up on a farm or been around it, I feel like they would say the same thing. It's, it's kind of like in your blood is what I've heard. And, and I believe that. So that's something that drew me back because I liked the opportunity or the idea of the opportunities out there thinking, well, I could do something still in agriculture, but maybe a different role, whether it be communications or somewhere else, or maybe be in a salesman, anything like that. But it was just always the fact that, you know, you're out outside every day. It's long, hard hours, and there's still a lot I have to learn, but it's just being out, being out in the fields, and I'd rather be out there being sweaty and hot in the summer, working out in the heat than being somewhere indoors and just sitting there wondering what's going on on the farm. And so I just realized that, and I just finally made a decision because I just knew that no matter what, it's where I'd be drawn to. Yeah. Well, final question here for you, Jenna, and thank you again for sharing everything that you have today. But, um, you know, with your involvement in the industry statewide, I know you are involved with a lot of different um, ag industry organizations here in the state. I mean, and, and you've talked about this, you know, getting that information out there and sharing what you do on the farm. You're, you're very active on social media. 
um, we, we've, we follow you guys, you know, keep up with y'all and everything. And, um, you're really one of those people out there that's, that's giving that example of, um, this, this new thing, ag advocacy, I guess it's always been around, but it's something that's really, really taking, um, hold right now for actual producers to share their story of agriculture. What, tell us a little bit about what your approach is when it comes to that. Well, actually, I'm around the farm so much, and I, I love it, and I love taking pictures. So it, that combination together, I'll usually just put a, you know, it's a farm fact on there or maybe just post a picture with something about maybe corn or beans or, or just something simple as far as, oh, we're doing this in the field today. Oh, we're harvesting the last 50 acres of soybeans or look at the corn growing, you know, during the during the summer season or oh, we're watering beans or rice. And it's something that, you know, people – that haven't been around that or even if they have it, I like to see it and they've told me like, Oh, I enjoy your pictures and I enjoy seeing what you're doing. And I guess you just take for granted, even people that are out in the fields and working, if you just post something on there, you don't know whose attention that's going to grab or, you know, people might message you saying, Oh, I've, I've seen this stuff before. I've had people, I've had people tell me that, well, when we're driving around Arkansas, I've seen this, this weed looking stuff before, like grass. What is that? And I'm like, Oh, that's rice in an early stage. So it sparks like a, a different conversation and people are so interested and then they get to really talk to you and understand. And then you can invite them out to the farm and invite them out to see your operation. And I think that's really exciting because people are interested in it and maybe whatever they thought they knew about it or what they've never been able to ask someone they finally get answers to and so i think it's really encouraging and i just love taking pictures and posting things for people to see and i just think it's a really good simple way of just advocating agriculture absolutely i mean that's that's really what we do a lot um here at the agency and stuff is um mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of coordination where we're connecting the right audiences with the experts um the people that are right. on the ground doing those kind of things so that they can get the real information um, you know, kind of from the horse's mouth, you know, these are the people that are, that are dealing with it every day and, and know the most about it. That's what we do is, as public relations professionals, we, we connect the experts with the, with the audiences and make sure that that message is well received and, and, and done correctly. So Jenna, thank you so much for your time today. I'm going to pass it back over to Lisa and, um, I'm sure she's got some, some final questions for us to wrap up today. Okay, Jenna, one thing that you didn't mention earlier, which I, I feel compelled to ask you about, is um, Carson was just asking you about um, ag advocacy, basically, and I know that's something you're really passionate about, and I, in my research on you, I learned that at one time you were Miss Arkansas Rice. Tell me about that a little bit. That was a that was a really great opportunity and something I think I'll remember forever. It actually has been changed now to rice reps, rice, rice representatives. So they've kind of modified a little bit. But when I did it, I think people even back before a long time ago they used to call it Miss Fluffy Rice. <laughs> is what it used to be called. And <laughs> it's at the county level, and it was sponsored, you know, through Farm Bureau and the Rice Federation, the Rice Council, and. It was basically just, you know, supporting the love of, we're number one, and Arkansas is number one for rice. A lot of people may not know that, but we're number one producer in the U.S. for rice. And so they came up with this program that would promote rice to people around the state and even just at the local level. And when I competed and I won the title of Miss Cross County Rice, I was able to go around the county with different groups and different um, events and be able to share my rice recipe. There was a rice recipe, which was, mine was crock pot rice dressing because I love chicken and dressing. So I took a recipe that it was my aunt's recipe that I really loved when she'd make it at holidays and different family events and modified it and made it kind of a little bit of a healthier version. And it had brown rice in it and, and some other things tweaked in it. And then I would share that with people when I would give different speeches and talks about rice and about what the rice industry does for Arkansas. And when I competed at the state level, I, I didn't expect to, to be able to make it 
that far and be able to represent as I think it was in 2013 Miss Arkansas Rice but that was really great because I'm a people person I love talking and meeting new people so I was able to go around the state and whether it be just at different events like fair events or like a rotary event or farm bureau meetings and it was a great opportunity and something I'll never forget and I met a lot of people during that time too that's so cool so in the last um, five years maybe I don't know two years maybe women's influence in the workplace has really changed dramatically and I'm interested in your thoughts about the evolving role of women in the workplace and the influence that they can have I think it's really neat to see how many more women are coming into agriculture you know whether what their roles if it's just you know, it's different for me being actually in ag production. You know, you don't see a lot of women doing that. But I know several women that do that, and they're really good at it. And I keep up with them on social media, and it's it's a good extra community to have those women, too, to talk to and say, hey, you know, I'm going through this, or have you ever experienced this on the farm, or what do you do here? And it's just like your own little – like, they're role models for me as well. And I think it's neat because what the last census that was took, I remember reading that they said 36% – of farmers are female and I thought well I remember reading that back a couple of years ago and it was 32 percent so I know it's growing little by little and I think women are finally realizing that it's so like they can do this it's not just a man's role I mean whether it be the bookkeeping side or anything in the ag industry and let alone ag production so I think it's really nice to see that I think maybe the way that women's roles just as a whole within um businesses and being out in the job force has changed it's also changed in agriculture I love that. I love that. Okay, final question. What is one message you would like to share with our listeners before we leave today? I would say don't be afraid to do what you love. And one thing I would suggest is to talk to people that's been in the industry or been in that position. You know, there's great people like I've had my parents, I've had my dad that's been through things and my grandparents and maybe people just in your community. I mean, take their advice, talk to them and just listen to what they have to say and maybe see if it's something you can implement or, you know, because they have been through it and it's something that I've learned a lot from as well and something maybe you can modify. I mean, people can always learn from each other. So I think it's great just talking to others. That's great advice. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you so much for joining the communications group today for our Thank women's you. industry podcast. It's been such a pleasure. And I have to say, we are very inspired by you. We wish you much continued success on your professional journey and your homeowner, your personal journey. And if you want to learn more about Jenna, well, all you have to do is Google Jenna Martin, Arkansas. There's a lot to see. Uh, Jenna has done and advocated and spoken on behalf of the agriculture industry quite a bit um, in her in her young career, you can see more about her on the miraclebean.com. Go to the career snapshot page for Jenna, and you can see her and her furry farm friend, Beretta, there. And um, the miraclebean.com is, of course, the website of the Arkansas Soybean Promotion Board. Please check out our Women in Industry page on the Communications Group uh, website. It's comgroup.com to see more incredible and inspiring women like Jenna Martin. You can find stories from other inspiring women on our WIN podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And while you're in your favorite podcast app, please rate, review, and subscribe to the WIN podcast and share with your friends. And now we're going to leave you with some homework as we sign off. Please nominate that inspiring woman in your industry. It does not have to be ag. It can be um, any woman, pretty much in any industry, for recognition. There's so many women out there 
that we'd love to spotlight the nomination form is on our website at comgroup.com. That's C-O-M-G-R-O-U-P.com. This is Lisa Van Hook from the Communications Group here with my co-conspirator, Carson Horn, saying thank you for joining us and keep on inspiring. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us in this week's episode of The Win Podcast. The Women in Industry Podcast is presented by the Communications Group to celebrate professional women and their achievements. For more information about today's guest and others like her, or to nominate a woman in industry for recognition, click on over to comgroup.com. Join in on The Win Conversation by visiting The Win social channels on Instagram or Facebook. Or check out our Com Group social channels on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The Win Podcast is hosted by Com Group Executive Vice President Lisa Van Hook and PR Director Carson Horn, and produced by Cassie Booker. To learn more about how the Communications Group can help you achieve your business goals, contact us today at infocomgroup.com. At